0: Sean Pesh, Ranmore Fund Management Founder and Head Portfolio Manager. Sean, I'm drawing a line in the sand here. It's the 18th of January and all the Christmas trees are down, but you're going to be the last guest. I'm wishing compliments of the season too, so I hope you had a happy festive
1: period. Thank you, Justin. and It wasn't as happy as we would have liked. We would have preferred to be been in South Africa celebrating with our family, which couldn't happen, but... We'll go out
0: Hopefully shortly. this December coming, Sean. Sean, let's start with one of the major talking points in the markets at the moment. The shift in paradigm taking place. That's the growth to value rotation. There's a seven percent differential between the MSCI value index versus the MSCI growth index. Let's call a spade a spade. That's a stock differential for ten trading days. What are the main driving factors of this rotation?
1: Yeah, Justin, you're absolutely right. It is stock. It's significant in a short space of time. And more importantly, value is up and growth is down. So this is not a case of, you know, you're getting rich faster. If you're in growth, you've actually got poorer this year. So that's not a good place to be. Um, What are the differentials? Well, often, you know, in the last few years, when I've been speaking about this value growth and the reasons for being in value. People have pointed out a few things. And the first thing they've pointed out is value always does badly in weak markets. And so this, this stuff about um, protecting the downside hasn't actually worked. Because if you look at 2008, value underperformed. If you look at 2011, underperformed. If you looked in the pa- pandemic, value underperformed. And they're absolutely right. Uh, and the reason is that value are it is exposed to economically sensitive sectors such as Energy, materials, um, financials, etc., and all those weak markets were caused by economic downturns, okay, and concerns over the future. This this weak market is not caused by that. The market's on fire. Uh, you know the economy is strong, labour is tight, etc. It is caused by valuations, and so that is what's happening. So interest rates turning has meant that all of a sudden, and inflation being higher. Uh, has meant that, well, how am I going to get a real return on my money? And that's what investors really want. And so it's easy to justify high price earnings ratios when interest rates are low. But when interest rates start moving up, it's harder to justify. And so that is what's going on out there right now. And it's significant. And what worries me, you know, unfortunately, you often see investors move too late. We saw the timing, you know, a lot of arcs, good good returns, happened and then investors found out about it afterwards and then they moved in and you get the Johnny come latelys and i worry that that's going to that the same thing is going to happen with 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 uh, with this cycle because you know this is you mentioned it's only been 10 days and that's already a big move okay half the people are still on holiday um, or have just returned to the office so most people will only find out about this move when the january fact sheets come out when will that be you know first 10 days maybe in feb so they'll, uh, the clients, the end clients, I'm talking about advisor clients, will probably only see these numbers in the first quarter. And sorry, the advisors will find out about it. The only the advisors who still subscribe to value, you know, value funds like ours and receive our fact sheets. So the clients will find out in their first quarter report back, which will probably take place May, in May, let's say. Then the advisor might say, well, let's wait another one or two quarters. Uh, before we decide to move and allocate any money to, to value. And that's, you know, so, so the real risk is that people will move too late. But it's a big move, make no mistake, and there are good reasons as to why there are these moves.
0: As you've mentioned, Sean, the historically low interest rates over the last 10 years and other monetary tools used by central banks, such as quantitative easing, has supported a Goldilocks era for growth stocks over the past decade or so. If we are going into this interest rate hike cycle, does this potentially mean this is just the beginning of the rotation?
1: Absolutely, I think it is absolutely the beginning of the rotation. And remember, you know, this this move to growth has taken place. Um, it has taken place over the last ten years. I mean, it's been one-way traffic since, well, in fact, longer than that. It's been one-way since traffic since uh, since two thousand and seven. And yeah, I read uh, BlackRock's conference call the other day. They've got ten trillion dollars in assets under management. I think they called in $450 billion in the last quarter. I'm going to work out, I haven't done it yet, so I'm going to work out how much money went into value. But unfortunately what happens is people always look at historic performance and think that the future is going to be just the same, and they go on that. And so when people are allocating money, they allocate it to, to last year's winners. Um, and uh, and actually, interestingly, last year value beat growth just by a little bit, but it just shows you that the, that the move was underway. And and actually, I just on another point, I mean, if you look at what Delta Airlines said the other day, Justin, they reported results uh, a few days ago. Their revenue was up 138%. People want to travel. People want to get out there. Um, I mean, we've been locked down and we've had red lists and all the rest. But in America, I mean, flights are happening and there's a shortage of pilots and all these people, all these airlines are trying to hire pilots. So if you've got a portfolio that is centered around people sitting in front of computers, buying stuff online it's going to be a challenging time Sean I know when we talk we talk more of a
0: global perspective since you run your fund management business out of the UK but given the value bias in the stocks on the JSE think commodities industrials financials i think the learnings from what you're saying can be applied to the companies on the local base i know you and pitful yun share a very similar investment philosophy pit loves some of the basket of stocks on uh, the jsc because they are so cheap do you have any exposure to the local bars and if not
1: why you know there's only so many companies one can look at um we do have tungela so that is uh, that is our holding we have then you look at what's happening at the coal price and it looks incredibly good value that's you know there is risk with the with the the line down to richards bay um and, and, and we do have companies like Glencore in the portfolio, which is, and we own the UK listing, not the, the South African listing. Um, and um, but, but yeah, those are the ones, you know, liquidity is a bit of a problem. Unfortunately, what you find is when things get really cheap, the people who have been buying it, and this is why a rotation can happen so quickly, Justin, this is an important point. When people have been buying it through the tough times, the people who've been buying those shares are typically quite, firm hands. So when things start to improve, they don't let them go that quickly. Okay, Um, and and so the liquidity is a bit of a factor. But we do have an increasing portion of our portfolio into emerging markets. And um, we're finding that to be far more attractive. But, you know, places like Brazil, like Russia, those are interesting. And so I think, um, so I think South Africa is well positioned within emerging markets. But again, if you look at where, you know, if you think about a seesaw and you go, where's everybody on the seesaw? Everyone's in U.S. growth um, passive. And, and, and what's on the other side of the seesaw that no one's in? Well, it's active emerging markets, Europe uh, and value. And so we are, we're on the other side of the seesaw. But, I, but Pete and I sing from the same song sheet, and I have a huge amount of respect. I know he's funded extremely well last year. Sean, some interesting data
0: coming out of China, GDP increasing by 8.1% year on year. Of course it beat consensus estimates like it was never going to, although it has slowed from previous years. Can any of this economic data out of China be trusted whatsoever?
1: Do you know, Justin, I don't know. It's a big place and I don't really follow the the broader um, economic numbers like GDP, you know, in places like China as closely as maybe I should. I tend to be a, a bottom-up investor. Um, what I do find really interesting is that basically from the stuff I've read is that the Chinese property market has pretty much ground to a halt with this whole Evergrande. And, and that's a problem because they've got $99 billion of debt has got to be repaid. You know, we've seen a slowdown in Tencent. Um, we've seen a slowdown in many of these these things. But what I find amazing is given the property slowdown, we've still got commodity prices up at the highs. And if you told me two years ago, the property market in China is going to grind to a halt, what do you think nickel price is going to do? What do you think um, you know, the coal price and the copper price are going to do? I would never have said they're going to be close to the highs. Uh, in fact, same for the oil. Oil price hit a new high yesterday. You know, how many people would have said that a few years ago? Not me. So I think you know, we've got to follow the... Yeah, yeah. follow the um, follow the charts, follow the numbers, and uh, and they tell the story. Sean,
0: Tencent have a huge investment portfolio, as you well know, which actually makes up around a third of their market cap. Recently, they've had a, a few interesting corporate actions. They've unbundled JD.com and sold a portion of equity in the C group. How are you interpreting this?
1: Well, they... I'm not interpreting it well at all. So two things. One is um, when, the difference. If you want to unlock value, there's two ways to do it. One, you can spin off or you can sell. Of course, the benefit of selling is that you get the cash, Okay, which is if you spin off, you don't get the cash. The problem is they've had to spin off uh, JD.com. And, and, and the problem is if, you, if you've got debt at the center and you spin something off, you lose the asset, but you're still left with the debt. Okay, so that's the problem. So if you've got a lot of debt, what you want to do is you want to sell the asset, use the cash to pay the debt, and then everybody's happy. Um, but they're certainly not in the driving seat right now, and that's that's the problem. I mean, who's in the driving seat? It's definitely not the board of directors of Ten Cent, and one and one can't take that any comfort from that. And the second point is, yes, it's a third of the market cap or whatever the number is right now. Well, we know from NASPES that you get lots of discounts and all of a sudden you can find that, um, that the value, the listed value is way more than the market cap. And often there's a good reason for that and it would be things like capital gains tax and, uh, you know, holding discounts and pure plays and all of those good things. So, um, so I'm certainly still no, no, not interested in the least intense into or that stable of companies and i think that uh, times are going to be tough i mean you look at c you know it was with i wrote a, a linkedin and tweeted it about it at some time back and 150 billion never made a profit probably not going to make a profit um so I see no investment merits in that whatsoever
0: and process ceo bob Van dyke invested close to 160 million rand of his after-tax money into process his attempts at unlocking value through multiple different corporate actions is left more to be desired. Is this something you like to see from agents, because that's essentially what Bob van Dyke is, investing his after-tax money instead of share options and the like, putting some of his own skin in the game?
1: Well, he's got a lot of skin to put in the game, given how uh, Naspers remunerate their management team. Uh, it's certainly a start, so it's it's more positive than negative um and hopefully you know hope, i look i want nothing more than us to unlock value because that's really good for the south african savings market You know, there's a huge percentage of the investor savings pool in south africa invested indirectly in those companies and and it would be absolutely cataclysmic if um if there was a big problem and that value just disappeared so that's what i so that's what i'd like we have no exposure to that so i wouldn't participate in that party but that's fine but so it's certainly a start and hopefully that incentivizes them more to to unlock value in whatever way they can Um, they kind of tied their hands behind their backs by committing not to sell any more shares and the problem when you're a big investor or big shareholder in a company is that as soon as there might be a discount but as soon as you say we're going to sell to unlock that discount the share price falls and so the discount might narrow but the but the value falls Um, but i would certainly want them to and we especially with the goings-on in China right now, to, un- to unlock value as soon as possible. And if this incentivizes them to do so, fantastic.